Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. It is, I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe maybe you've been reading your Bible and some interesting questions have come up or there's something you've always wondered about. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. You can also call in with prayer requests or anything going on in your life that you'd like to talk about or have prayer for. We'd love to pray for you. We want to say welcome to everyone listening on Grace FM in Colorado and Southern Wyoming. So glad you tuned in today for the program. We also want to say hi to everybody listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program for you as well. And uh, we also want to say a big hello to everyone who is listening now on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. It's great to see how the show is spreading across the country. I had a caller just the other day from uh, from Tennessee, and it was uh, great to hear from somebody, just to know that you guys are getting the station out there and you're, you're able to hear the show. And So if you are in Tennessee, I would love to hear from you. Uh, we also want to say hi to everybody who is listening online, whether it's on the, the mobile app or on the website. You know, we have a great mobile app. It's a Grace FM mobile app. You can find it. It's in the iTunes, Android stores, and you can just go in and get that app for free, and you can tune into the station wherever you happen to be at the moment. I know there are people who tune in from uh, from Europe, friends of mine over there, as well as from other parts of the world. So it's an op- awesome app that you can use to, to tune in and, and listen to the Bible teaching wherever you're at. You can also tune in on your browser anytime at gracefm.com if you're away from your radio. Just a reminder that those listening on the East Coast and and the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay, but we would love for you to call in, and then you can go back and listen to yourself on the radio the the following week. So just a reminder about that. Um, Again, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the host every Monday. Today I'm filling in for Pastor Ed Taylor, who is away, so I get to fill in for him. I filled in for him yesterday, too, and just really enjoy the opportunity to field your questions and to pray for you on the air. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a Calvary Chapel affiliated church in Longmont, Colorado. And for those of you who are listening and you might be in the Longmont area, I'd just like to invite you to come out and worship with us sometime. Our church meets at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, right in downtown Longmont, right on the corner of Kaufman and Longs Peak Avenue. And it's in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is a historic building here in downtown Longmont. We're right on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park there in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. So our website for more information, you can listen to our teachings, you can get all kinds of info and stuff like that is whitefieldschurch.com. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Mountain Time on Grace FM. We have a show called Life in the Field, which are, are sermons from Whitefields cut for the radio. So that's 2.30 p.m. 
every weekday and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So I had some calls uh, yesterday, or I had some text messages yesterday that I didn't get to. So I wanted to uh, address some of those real quick as we're waiting for calls to come in. I'll give you that number just in case there's some of you out there who are wanting to call but uh, miss the number. The number is 303-690-3000. or you can text us at 720-336-0897. And here at the beginning of the show is always a great time to call in if you want to get on the air because we usually have open lines here at the beginning of the show. So let's go to some of our, our text questions. Um, the first question I want to answer is, I had somebody write and ask about Adderall. So this person says, I have a question about Adderall. I heard a lot of students take this when studying to help focus. And um, he said, do you think it's harmless to use this for studying or should I stay away from it? Uh, so my answer is this. If you are using that for studying, um, I think it's actually illegal. So here's the thing. Adderall is a amphetamine, and it is prescribed for um, people with ADHD and ADD. And it, what it does is kind of slows down their brains, and so slows down neurotransmitters in their brains. And it's a it's a form of amphetamine, and so it's a you know it's a pretty serious drug. A lot of people take it, and it helps them, and it's prescribed to them for uh, you know these disorders like ADHD and ADD but I have heard a lot about this recently that it's becoming more and more popular for people that kinda get an edge and they use it like coffee in a way you know where the you know drink a cup of coffee and then you get um, you know you're able to focus better or you're able to pay attention longer and so people who don't necessarily have ADHD or ADD have begun taking this as kind of a way to get an edge at work or in school. So a lot of students will do it so that they can, you know, hyper focus for, you know, six hours or something like that. I really think that that is not wise. I think that is you're taking something unnatural, and not to mention the fact that it's also illegal. So um, I think that's it's a big part. So is it legal? No. Is it natural? No. Um, you know, if it's. Uh, it's basically using drugs to get ahead. So I, I would not recommend Adderall. So for whoever you are who asked this question, I, I hope you're listening. And if not, maybe there's somebody else out there who uh, is wondering a similar thing. Let's go to Brittany in Colorado Springs. Hi, Brittany. Hi. Um, how are you? Doing great. What's up? I'm not doing good. Um, I I'm going to cry. Um, okay. I don't know. I just need help. Um, I was fasting. I was giving glory to Jesus and all this. And, and then after the fasting, I just cut the it. It's so bad by the enemy. And I don't know how to get back. Like, I deal with, I know every time they heard of me, Bernie, I deal with OCD thing. And it's just so bad. And I don't know how to handle it anymore. Um, I don't know what to do. The spiritual warfare is, is killing me. Like, I don't know. It just... I just wanted, I need, I need help. Yeah. Brittany, did you say that you're struggling with OCD? Is that what I heard you say? Yeah, yeah, I am. And it's just, it's, 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 it shatters my heart. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, Brittany, what, what kind of fellowship are you involved in? Do you have people around you? Because here's what I'm thinking is that it sounds like um, you really need some people around you to fight this fight with you. Uh, not really anybody. My husband's in jail, so I'm okay. I'm I'm just the enemy just tormenting me, and he's tearing me up right now. And it's just I need a lot of prayer, and I don't know. I just 
any people. I mean, I, I go to church, but I don't really, I don't have a car, so I can't really get there to do the, the life group. You know, like I can't, I yeah. can't get there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just a, as a pastor of a church, I'll tell you this. Uh, when Sometimes we have people contact us and say, hey, you know, I really want to be there, but I don't have a car. And that's something we can always help with and we always arrange. So I would encourage you to do that. Reach out. And the reason I say that is not just because that's my answer for everything. It's rather because I, I can tell that you need some people around you to encourage you. And, uh, and I am going to pray for you in just a second here. Uh, I'm just trying to help get you uh, in a place where even after we get off the phone, you're going to be doing better. So um, I'm really sorry to hear that you're struggling. And that, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to rest in the fact that Jesus has fought the fight for you and he has declared that it's finished. And that in, in, your, uh, or in his eyes, you are not only forgiven, uh, but you are, you are pleasing to him, that he takes pleasure in you. And he looks at you and, and he sees you as his daughter in whom he's well pleased because you're in Christ. And so that would be my encouragement for you is that in him we can truly rest. We can have the, the rest that goes uh, deeper than understanding and the, and the peace that goes beyond understanding. So I want to pray for you. And then, uh, but I do encourage you, reach out to your church. Tell them that you need a ride and I'm sure that they'll be happy. You know that one. I do okay. know that one. I know they're good people too. I know uh, Pastor yeah. Al and I... They would absolutely give you a ride. So let me um, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Brittany. I thank you, Lord, that she's in a good fellowship and, and people who are going to love her and support her. And I pray, Lord, that there would be people who you put it on their heart to give her a ride and, and to reach out to her. And Lord, I pray right now as she's experiencing a spiritual warfare, Lord, that you would help her to rest in the fact that you have fought the battle and you have won and that she has victory in you. I pray that truly she wouldn't just know that, but she would actually experience that rest in you. And uh, and as she's struggling with OCD and, it, and it's hurting her life, Lord, I pray that you would set her free from that. I pray that, Lord, you would calm her mind and uh, and slow it down. And, Lord, that she would truly get the help that she needs. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, hey Brittany, I'm going to have you stay on the line real quick and have you talk to the producer and he's going to get you some uh she he's going to help you get connected over at Calvary Worship Center with some folks who can help you out. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you. Absolutely. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to Mike in Denver, Colorado. Hi Mike. Mike, are you Pastor, there? How are you? Oh, there you are. I'm doing great. What's up? I have a question about uh, Noah and the flood. Alrighty. Uh, kind of a several part question. I'll make it brief. I understand. I know. I believe in the flood. And I know that God commanded Noah to make the ark. <clears throat> and that's not what uh, my question is about. What's, what my question is about is this: the, low, the gathering of the animals, two two of each kind from uh, the, uh, the face of the earth, God put it in the nature of the animals to go to where Noah was. Being God, he could do those things. Yep. Um, but uh, I, I know the timeline thing. My question is about timeline here. Um, you know, they, they, in, 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 in the world, world historical belief, 
the uh, uh, the land, the, the, the world land map was one big land map at one time. And then somewhere, sometime back, it all split up and broke into, into pieces, pieces and drifted apart. Okay. And so you had some animals on in one land mass, other animals on another land mass. Uh, I'm kind of curious about about that. That's you know, and 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 then the second part is, did God do something to the animals to help them to 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 be uh, less uh, animalistic in on the ark? Mm. Once That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I wasn't there. So I, all I can do is try and put the pieces of the puzzle together, just like you're trying to do. Um, you know, it does seem like the the Earth was at one point a big landmass. You know, that that seems to be, uh, and we we know that not just from not just from animals on different continents. We know that also because of um, things like rock formations on the coasts that line up with each other. And so the, that's the general theory held by um, people who study natural history uh, and biology. But it's also a, a theory that, that does line up with the Bible, you know, in the sense of that it says that the, the, the depth burst open and so what it seems like it's describing is that the earth was different at that time. And that would kind of line up with the fact that it seems like people lived a whole lot longer then than they do now. And, uh, and that it says that the depths opened up and it seems that water came out from under the uh, ground and, and burst forth. And that's how this flood took place. And then that would make sense, you know, with the fault lines and the continents splitting apart. So uh, I think that there is some validity to that idea. And I think that the on the other, your other question, you know, if God can call the animals to Noah and the ark, could he then cause them to be less animalistic? Or did they have cages in the ark? I think the answer is probably both, you know, but I think, yes, it would probably take at least some kind of act of God for the animals to not uh, devour each other and to not be uh, so aggressive. So, so yes, on both accounts. And if you, you know, there's a ton of really great information on answers in Genesis.com. And I'd really recommend that you go check out that site and you can just kind of browse their site. I'm sure you'd find it absolutely fascinating. They have a lot of stuff on there, theories of, of, you know, how what happened to dinosaurs? How did we get the continents in the way? How did this all line up with the things that geologists have been studying? And, and how do those proofs line up with what the Bible says? So lots of good information on that site. So thanks for your call, Mike. God bless you. All right. Uh, You're listening. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have two open lines right now here on Calvary Live. The number to call is 303 Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Teddy in Baltimore, Maryland. Hey, Teddy. Hey, how you doing today? Doing great. What's up? I have a question about tithing. Okay. Um, I've been told that tithing is no longer necessary because. It's an Old Testament law, and the church no longer has to tithe. The only thing they have to do is bring an offering. I was always taught to tithe 10% of my income, and I know tithing works. 
But I want to know, is it true that we no longer have to tithe, we only have to bring an offering? Can you help me with that? Yeah, absolutely. So here's here's my answer to you, is that we have been set free from the law, but that doesn't... See, here's here's the two things. You've heard of legalism, right? Legalism yeah. is where you can you know think that your relationship with God depends on your legal behavior or your your moral behavior well the, what's the opposite of legalism it's a thing which i think gets talked about a lot less and it's a thing called antinomianism and if you haven't heard that word then that just attests to the fact that we just don't talk about it very much but i think both of those are really important it's kind of like if you're driving down a road that has ditches on both sides and we want to avoid both of those so antinomianism means against the law so anti and then nomian uh, refers to the law. So in other words, um, antinomianism is the opposite of legalism, and we've got to avoid both of those. Because some people would say, you know, now that we're not under the law, the law has no role in our lives. So let me, let me tie this to tithing real quick. So when it comes to tithing, are we free from the law as a requirement for how, um, how we relate to God and how we become acceptable before God? Absolutely. Now, what should our relationship to the law be? Like, for example, the Bible also says in the law that we shouldn't murder people. But now that we're not under the law, does that mean that we should go out and murder people? Of course not. That would be ridiculous. And in the same way, we do have still a relationship with the law. But now the law plays a different role in our lives than it did uh, under the old administration, so to say before Jesus. So under the old administration, the law was the way by which we, uh, in a way, earned our stripes before God. Now that isn't totally true because that was never truly the purpose of the law, but it's what a lot of people took the law to mean. Now under Jesus, so we're free from the law, then what role does the law play in our lives? It, here's the role it plays in our lives. It's a playbook for how we can please God and live according to the design which God has given us for ourselves. Okay, so I'll give you an example of this. Like, for example, I know that my wife likes certain things and doesn't like other things. And so if I, knowing that, do something which I know that she likes, am I doing that in order to manipulate her? Or am I doing that in order to please her? Well, I guess really that depends on my heart. I could be doing it for either reason. But if truly I'm doing what my wife likes, not because I'm trying to manipulate her, but simply because I love her, and, and I want to please her, and I want to bring joy and, and happiness to her, then that's a beautiful thing. And, and, and in that way, that is absolutely how we should relate to the law. So I'll tell you that that, that is what I do. I pay a tithe, and, but I follow this principle. Uh, I follow the principle which is found in Second Corinthians 9, verse 7, where Paul the Apostle says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, nor under compulsion. So those are, those are the two sides right there. You got the one person who says, I don't want to give. I'm reluctant to give because I like keeping all my money for myself. And then you got the other person who says, well, I'm only doing this because I have to do this because this is the rule. And he says, I don't want you to do either of those. I want you to decide in your heart what you're going to give. And I want you to do it with a cheerful heart. And then he says, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so that's how God wants us to give is cheerfully from our hearts, not neither out of reluctance nor out of compulsion but knowing who he is what he's done for us and that is what motivates us to be abundantly generous because he's been abundantly generous towards us and uh, and so here's here's kind of let me land the plane for you on this 
If you were to ask me, should Christians tithe? I would say yes. If you were to ask me, do Christians have to tithe? I would say no. But should they tithe? Yes. And, and you know, there's the one thing you mentioned, which is that it works. That That's one thing. I would say, on the other hand, knowing who God is and what pleases him and how he designed us to function in relation to him, that tells us that we, we should tithe because, number one, it's good for us. Number two, it funds his work and his mission. And, and, and number three, it, you know, it sets us free from the claws of uh, being so focused on ourselves and being selfish with our money. I think that's one of the biggest things. When you hand that money over, it's almost as if those claws that are in you of selfishness and, and, um, and even greed, that they get a little bit looser. So I think it's one of the ways that God sets us free. Gotcha. Cool. I think that answered it. Awesome. Hey, thanks for the call. Good question. All right, God All right, bless thank you. you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Bill in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Hey, Bill. Hey, how's it going? Great. What's up? Well, I wanted to give a little encouragement to your uh, OCD caller. I think her name was Brittany. Yep. Um, I want to encourage her to uh, read, I think it's Philippians 4, verse 8. Whatever is good, whatever is pure, focus on these things. A lot of times with the OCD, we control things that, that are in our world that we can't control because our, our outside world is so out of control. Mm. I want to encourage you to focus on Jesus Christ. Mm. Put the focus there. Push all bad thoughts out. Focus on what's good. Cool. It, it seems like a, a, a very little thing, but it can. the power of positive thinking in Jesus Christ can be so powerful. Cool. Yeah, Bill, it sounds like this is something you've had personal experience with. Yes, sir. I've struggled with OCD for the past 40 years. Wow. And this is the only way that I am able to to focus on my day-to-day world is put my focus on Christ, put my trust in Him. And Philippians 4.8 has been a, a God sent to me for the last 30 years. Cool. Hey, well, why don't we pray that? together i'll i'll uh, i'll pray us through that and we'll just pray for all those struggling with um with ocd who might be listening today so heavenly father we, we consider this verse lord that whatever's true whatever's honorable whatever's just what's pure what's lovely what's commendable if there's anything of excellence if there's anything worthy of praise think on those things lord we want to do that and i know that there are many people listening who struggle with uh ocd and similar things and lord we we pray for them Lord, we pray that you would calm their minds. That we know it's not just so easy as saying, hey, don't think about that, think about this instead. Uh, but Lord, we know that by your Spirit, we can do these things that you call us to do. So Lord, we ask for the power of your Spirit to help these people experience freedom and, and joy in you and overcome this disorder. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. 
we have one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Let's go to Arun in Baltimore. Hey, Arun. Yeah, good evening, Pastor Nick. Uh, thank you very much for taking my call, and I'm so blessed to hear the messages on this radio. One quick question. Uh, yes. In Psalm 137, the lament uh, of David to God, it says, uh, Blessed are those who dash their children against soul. Um We are doing a Bible study in our church, and uh, there was a debate that this may not be God. Uh, uh, it's not coming from God, but uh, it is a uh, human written, and we need to accept this as a human uh, written, and not actually, there is no God involved in this, this type of uh, thing happening, and I just want to take your perspective. Sure, yeah, um, so I think you might have had two questions there. Let me answer the first one. You're referring to Psalm 137, and he's right. praying, here, I'll just read it in context, okay, so... Well, let's, let's actually just look at the whole psalm. We must always take everything in context, right? That's always the key. If we take things out of context, then we can kind of be confused about why they were said. For example, just before I got on the air with you today, I was filming a video. We have a video studio here in our audio, in our office, and I was filming a video, and my uh, video producer guy was saying that he wanted to take a clip out of it because we were talking about morality, and I said, you know, what if I say you know, it's okay to rob elderly women and push them in front of buses, you know, and I just say that's what I believe. Now, he told me he was going to cut that one audio clip out, and he's just going to put that up on Facebook as like a teaser for our upcoming video. And now, if you were to take that one phrase out where I said it's okay to steal from elderly women and push them in front of buses, I sound like a monster now, don't I? But I don't actually yeah. believe that, right? So... um we must always take things in context. So what he's talking about here is this. The people of Israel are in Babylon. They are in Babylon. They have been taken to exile. And he's singing about that. He's saying, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? This is a lament over the fact that they have been overcome by the Babylonians. And you got to take this in context also with what else we know about this time. For example, we know from the, the prophets specifically from Jeremiah, but also many of the minor prophets. So there's a particular minor prophet who even deals with this time where he is predicting the fact that God is going to judge Babylon and God is going to bring an end to the Babylonian Empire where they have been taken captive. And that is actually what happened in history, and it happened after that prophecy came. So prophecy came to the people and said, okay, God's going to carry you away to Babylon and he's going to let you be overcome. And the reason is because uh, you need a wake-up call to get you back with your hearts towards the Lord. And secondly, he said, but it's not going to last forever. And Babylon is going to be judged. Because somebody might say, well, how could God use Babylon? They're such a wicked nation. And they were. And so what he's singing about here at the end, he's saying, I'm, I'm remembering God's promise that Babylon will be overthrown. And he's essentially saying, blessed will that day be. And remember the word blessed, when we read it blessed, for some reason our English translators decided to translate that word blessed uh, as blessed. But in, in the original languages, it's actually the word happy. Now we say, okay, to be happy is kind of a trite word in English. That's why we like to use the word blessed. But uh, really he's saying happy will that day be when Babylon is overthrown. So again, 
we can't just isolate one verse. We have to understand this, that he's rejoicing in the fact of God's promise that will come one day where he knows that they will be set free from Babylon and the Babylonians will be judged for their wicked actions. So in that context, we can look at that verse and say, okay, that actually makes sense now. I can see why he's saying that we should rejoice over that. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, and did you have another question about Adam Hamilton? Oh, actually, we've come up on our two-minute break. We are going to be back in two minutes' time. Uh, You're listening to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Um, well, I've got you here. Let me say this to those of you listening in the Longmont, Colorado area. We'd love to have you come join us at Whitefields uh, for worship and the Word this coming Sunday. You can find out more information, directions, all that good stuff on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go back to our callers. We've got... Travis in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Travis. Travis, are you there? Um, yes. There you are. What's up? All right. Hey, I was calling um, in regards to Brittany uh, with the OCD. Yeah. Um, I I don't have OCD, but I do wrestle with, I guess she called it, you know, the spiritual warfare and things like that. And, um... I just wanted to kind of, kind of give you or her an idea if she's listening. Um, what the thing that got me, that gets me through that kind of stuff is, uh, I got really into biblical uh, meditation. Um, I use a, I use an app on my phone called uh, Voice Bible. It costs about fifteen dollars, but um, what it does, it re- it repeats um, your favorite scriptures, any any ones you want, and just has it on repeat. And um, what I do is I just I get a notepad out um, while I'm working and stuff too, and uh, I'll just meditate on the verse um, and just write out in the journal or you know um, draw a picture of what it's you know what the verse is saying to me and things like that. And uh, I just really felt I really feel for her. And um, there's a lot of people that are going through that, and it's tough. But I just wanted to. Uh, just say that, you know, biblical meditation, uh, just meditating, learning to ponder, then reading the Psalms of King David, learning that a lot of the things that he was going through, I went through, and what what did he do? And um, also putting into practice, you know, Christian disciplines also helps with that, also helps with that stuff, too. So um, I think the number one thing Satan wants is for everyone to isolate themselves and beat up on Christians, but, you know, um, we, you know, there's, yeah. there's always hope, always hope in Jesus and a lot of prayer 
too. So cool, Travis. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that. All right, God bless you. Thanks for yeah, calling thank in. You. All right, bye bye. Yeah, you know, just on that topic of Christian meditation, I had a, a friend who was uh, studying in college at one point, and he wrote to me. My this friend of mine's not a Christian, and he was asking me, you know, the word meditation is found in the Bible, and how does Christian meditation or biblical concept of meditation differ from like Eastern meditation, right? Like in Buddhism or in other uh, Eastern religions. And that's a very, very good thing. Uh, like what Travis is talking about, you can kind of pick it up from, from what he's saying. But, you know, the idea in the Bible of meditating on the Word of God is the opposite of the Eastern idea of meditation. So in the Eastern idea, meditation is about clearing your mind, whereas in the Bible, meditation is about filling your mind. It's about having your mind full of the Word of God. So, you know, like in, in Psalm 1, the writer talks about how I will meditate on your Word day and night. What does that mean? It means that I'm going to fill my mind with the Word of God intentionally. That that's what I want to fill my mind with. I don't want to empty my mind. I want to fill it with the Word of God and let the Word of God uh, shape the way that I, I think, the way that I, I view the world, the way that my heart is. So, yeah, meditating on the Word of God also, you know, just awesome. Uh, thing to do. So let's go to our next caller, Michael in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Michael. Hello. Hi, welcome to the program. Thank you. What can I do for you? Well, I really have a problem with lying about stuff like um. Every time, like I think I'm gonna um get in trouble and stuff, I think lying is gonna be a thing because um um I think that. When I tell the truth, people are just going to get mad at me even more. Mm. Well, Michael, the, the thing I would tell you is, I learned this myself. When I was younger, maybe your age, I'm not sure how old you are, but when I was maybe ten. around your age, you're 10? Yeah. yeah um, when I was around your age, I had a problem with that too. And I'm not sure even why I did it. I, I don't even, sometimes it was just for no reason at all. I would just do it. And, you know, one of the things that I learned is that... Um, <laughs> You create more problems for yourself by lying than you do by telling the truth. Even just admitting when you've done something wrong and just telling the truth, it's a very, very good thing because it, it makes you free. You don't have to remember all your lies, for example, and, and you can actually just admit to something that you've done wrong. And that's the good news that we have in Jesus is that because of Jesus, even when we've done something wrong, we can be forgiven. And so let me pray for you, Michael. And um, I, I really appreciate you calling in. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for Michael, and I pray for other young people or not young people out there who struggle with lying and struggle with telling the truth or, or lying even for no reason or, or because it, it helps them get out of trouble. Lord, we pray for us that you would help us to have your heart for truth, that we would be people of the truth, that we would, there would be no deceitful word in us, that our yes would be yes and our no would be no. And, Lord, we, we thank you that your commands, the reason you tell us to do things or not do things, is because you love us. And we know that even that's true in this case. The reason you tell us not to lie is because you love us. And you know that it's going to be better for us if we, if we tell the truth. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that even when we do fail or we have done something wrong, Lord, that you show us grace and you offer us forgiveness in Jesus. And so I pray for Michael and everyone out there that we would truly embrace that, that we would rest in it, that we would believe it, that in Jesus we have grace and forgiveness. And we pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. Michael, God bless you. Thank you for calling in. Thank right, you bye -bye. too.
All right, bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got two open lines right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Chris in New Jersey. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's up? Yeah, um, I'm just going to jump straight into it. Uh, my question is that there's a portion, there's a part in the Bible that says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for rebuking and so on and so forth. Now I assume that the guy who wrote that was writing it to a, to a certain set of people that had a scripture. Um, and my question is like, do you believe that he was referring to what he was actually writing and the letters that came after he wrote that statement? Because I would assume that he was writing prior, like about material that was prior, like recent, or, yeah, or no, before it's a, what he wrote. Do you think, like, when he says all scripture is God breathed, do you mean that's all of the Bible? Yeah, and I, I will tell you why. And I, I might have to put you on hold because you got a lot of noise behind you, but um, I, hopefully you can still hear me. Okay, so here's what, um, here's what I, I would want you to know. S- that is in Second Timothy. Uh, and here's what you should know about Second Timothy. It was one of the very last books of the New Testament that was written chronologically. So, Second Timothy, one of the last books uh, written chronologically, which means that all, almost all of the other books of the Bible, uh, or the New Testament, which which would be you know the most recent books of the Bible written, means that they were already written. And so there was maybe one revelation that hadn't been written yet at this time. And so when he's talking about scripture, he's talking about the Jewish scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, so the, what they call the Hebrew Bible, so the Old Testament scriptures. He's talking about that. But he's also talking about things which were already written and already in distribution at that time. And I can give you a few examples. Paul, in uh, one of his letters, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, he quotes from Luke's gospel, which is really, really interesting. Paul actually quotes from Luke's gospel in one of his letters and and quotes it saying Jesus said this and he quotes from Paul's letter. I'm sorry, from, from Luke's gospel. Another one is that Peter refers to the writings of Paul as scripture, as holy scripture. Now remember, this is a Jewish person and his view of scripture is the Old Testament, but he is putting the writings of Paul, the letters of Paul, which were, which, you know, Paul writes in his letters, I want you to Take this letter. I want you to distribute it. I want you to make copies of it. I want you to get it in the hands of all the churches, and I want it to be read in all the churches. That's one of the things that Paul says in one of his letters. So this was what was happening at the time. Even just a few years after Jesus, they were beginning to uh, distribute these gospels, which is the collections of the things that Jesus did and taught and the miracles that he did. Those were beginning to be distributed throughout the Christian churches and throughout the world. And, uh, and those writings were going around. So before they were formally uh, gathered into what we now have as the canon, there was a, I guess you'd call it a proto-canon, meaning that there was a group of texts which were considered scripture, new scriptures which were inspired by the Holy Spirit and breathed by God that were being distributed and were being read and studied in the churches at this time. So this kind of like, you know, sometimes you hear people say that there's this idea that, oh, well, you know, in the in the early church, they only used the Old Testament. Well, that's just simply not true. 
they, they used the Old Testament. They had the letters from the apostles. And they had the early forms of the Gospels. And um, so that, that would be the, the one thing I want to tell you is that, yes, did Paul realize that he was writing Scripture? I absolutely believe that he did realize he was writing Scripture. And, uh, and I think that's attested to by the fact that Peter recognized that Paul was writing Scripture. Paul recognized that Luke was writing Scripture. They had a sense of what God was doing in their time. So, all right. Oh, well, thank, wow. no, yeah. thank you so much for that. That really cleared up a lot of uh, uh, doubt that I had. Yeah, you know, so Chris, you if so you want to, yeah, if you want to talk to the producer real quick, and he can get your email address, I can write, I can send you an article that I wrote on that topic that give you a lot more to, uh, you know, reference and and check out. So that'd be awesome. awesome. Yeah, thanks for calling in. God bless you. You're very welcome. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's go to our next caller on line three. Hi there. Hi. Um, I just had a quick question. Okay. Um, I wanted to know... Can a person lose their salvation? Like if they go out and commit God in their heart and they go and commit sin, um, do they have to accept God in their heart again and ask for sorry? I, I don't know. It's, I, yeah. Can a person so get, lose their salvation? Yeah, so that's a big question. A lot of people ask that question. And um, here's what I would go with you. I'd tell you to look at Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. And I tell you, there's there's two things here that are going on. Um, you kind of have to look at a lot of parts of the Bible to get this answer, but uh, to to really find out what does the Bible teach on this subject. But so try and track with me, and I'll try and give you a, a really solid answer. Okay. So okay. my my quick answer is no, and here's why. But but my secondary answer is this. So first of all. I don't believe that you can lose your salvation. I really don't like that term. I think it, it implies something that happens to, in spite of the fact that you don't want it to happen. So, for example, like I lost my car keys or I lost this or I lost my kid at the grocery store. It implies the fact that you didn't mean to. You you had no intention of doing it. You had the intention of doing the opposite. Like I was, I didn't want to lose my kid or I didn't want to lose this thing. And yet it happened to me. In other words, it puts you in the passive uh, role. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I don't think that you can passively lose your salvation. Okay, so that's the first answer. The second answer is this. Are there people who it seemed like they were Christians, but then it turns out in the end that they were not actually Christians? And the answer to that question, without a doubt, in the Bible is absolutely yes. And that should be a very sobering fact for us. And the reason that the Bible tells us that is because it really wants us to examine ourselves to see if we truly are in the faith, to see if we are Christians or not. So one place mm -hmm. I would tell you to go about this is Matthew chapter 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And there in Matthew chapter 7, I believe it starts in verse 21. I'm going to turn there right now. Um, but here's, here's what's going on. Jesus is speaking and he says two things right next to each other and they're related to each other. So starting in verse 15. Yeah, so I'm going to talk to you about Matthew 7, verses 15 down to verse 23. And it's split into two sections. I want to talk about the second section first. So starting in verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So why, why does he say, Lord, Lord? Well, in, in, two things. Um, Lord, Lord, whenever you would say someone's name twice, it emphasized that you are, um, it emphasized, first of all, passion, that you're really passionate. It's like saying, hey, you know, so it's Lord, Lord. So these are people who called him Lord, meaning they, they knew the name of God and they called him by that name. They, they knew who they were talking about and they did it passionately. And then it says, we did many things in your name. We prophesied, we cast out demons, we did many works in your name. So these are people who called him Lord. And what else do they do? They did it passionately. So these are people with their hands raised in worship service, right? And then you've got them, they're also serving. So they're doing things. They're, they're active. They're not just the people who come in and go out on Sunday and never get involved. These are the people who are absolutely involved. And he says, some of those people, they think that they, they know me, but the truth is, on the last day, they're going to show up and I'm going to say, he says this at the verse 23, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And if you go over to Hebrews 4, which is where I told you to go originally, you'll see that same thing. He says that there are some people who, from all outward appearances, it appears that they were Christians. And yet it turns out that they were not. And that should be a very, very sobering, um, I'm sorry, that's chapter 5 that I was actually speaking of. Sorry, not chapter 4, but chapter 5 of Hebrews. And and he says, you know, if you consider 5 and into verse 6, and here it's actually ver- chapter 6, and I'll, I'll just read it to you. He says, um, you know, there are some who have experienced this that have been enlightened. They have tasted the heavenly gift. They have shared in the Holy Spirit. They've tasted the goodness of the word of God, and then they've fallen away. So from all outward appearances, you know, if somebody meets all those criteria, I would say, wow, that person is probably a Christian. The problem is I can't see their heart. And when they fall away, um, it turns out that they, well, the question is, were they Christians or were they not? Did they lose their salvation? Here's why I tell you that I don't think they lost their salvation, but that they appeared to be disciples, but in the end they weren't. Is because the words the Bible uses to describe salvation are things like, it says that God seals you with the Holy Spirit. It says that you are born again. So for example, if you get born again at one point and then you sin, does that mean that you are suddenly unborn again? Like, does God remove that from you? Does he seal you with his spirit? Can you become unsealed with the Holy Spirit? It doesn't seem that, uh, that, that that's possible. We have no example of that in the Bible. But we do have examples of here in like Hebrews 4 and in and lots of other places in the Bible, is people who, from all outward appearances, they seemed to be Christians, but in the end it turned out that they were not truly converted in their hearts. They had never actually experienced the new birth and the sealing with the Holy Spirit. And so that, that should be a very sobering thing that causes us to really ask the question, you know, am I right with God? Have I, uh, have I truly put my faith in Jesus? Now, if you are, does that mean that you will never sin again? No. Uh, we still sin. That's why the Bible tells us that, uh, like in First John, he says, I'm writing this to you so that you won't sin. But if you do sin, he's writing to Christians. And he says that we have an advocate before the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So does that answer your question? It does. Thank okay. you so much. Cool. All right. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air. We are coming up about 10 minutes left in the show. Got a couple callers. Let's go to David in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, David. Yes. Good afternoon. 
we were, I heard you talking about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 yesterday. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about the great cloud of witnesses. Yes. So who who is this great cloud of witnesses? I, I have a good idea, but maybe you can expound on that. Yeah, I think it... You know, if you take, I just taught through Hebrews um, a couple of weeks ago. So for the past, you know, several months, we were studying through Hebrews. And the, one of the great things about the way that we study the Bible at Whitefields and at a lot of Calvary Chapel churches is that we go verse by verse through entire books or at least section by section. Sometimes we don't hit on every verse in a ton of depth because of the speed, but we, we do go through it uh, as much as we can verse by verse. So here's how we studied it. You know, we went through the book chronologically. We went through chapter 11. And you read about all these heroes of the faith, and right. then you get to chapter 12. So I believe it's just a continuation. I believe it's picking up on the same idea where he left off in verse 11, or in chapter 11, where he's talking about the great cloud of witnesses, meaning those who went before us in faith. Okay. And then there was a little conversation about some people, or people that are able to look out of heaven down here on this earth, and that's the great cloud of witnesses, too. Yeah, so that was the question was, when people die, are they watching down on, on us? And I think that it depends really on whether that person died in the Lord or not. That would be my question. And, and the, I'll give you another reason why I think that it is possible for people who have passed on to at least observe what's happening on the earth is because, and I, and I don't know if you can really hang your hat on this one, but I, I personally do, is Revelation, that's the exact picture we get that John is taken up to heaven and from the vantage point of heaven with a great multitude around him, they are all watching what's happening on the earth. And so what I had told this caller was, you know, it's not like they can intervene, you know, like a ghost or something, but can they observe it? I think they can. What chapter and verse is that in Revelation? That is uh, about half the book of Revelation, starting in chapter 4. Where he says, I was okay. caught up to heaven. So right, you can start there. I was caught up so. to heaven. Come here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And then he worships God, the scroll and the lamb, the seven seals. And then from there, let's see, starting in chapter 7, verse 9, he sees this great multitude from all the nations. And starting in verse 8, they begin to watch what's happening on the earth as God's wrath is poured out on the okay. earth. And it continues on. Does that answer your question? Yeah, so right now, you don't think people of the church age are able to look down upon us who went to be with Jesus? Um, I, Yeah, I do actually think that. I think that that's part of that great cloud of witnesses. I think that when somebody passes <laughs> on in faith, they, they join that great cloud right. of witnesses. And the word cloud, by the way, it means crowd. It, it insinuates yeah. people surrounding. Okay, I just struggle with that a little bit because why would they want to look down upon us and they, they can see a sin and do you know struggle with that besetting sin and all that so why would that right. be heaven you know <laughs> well yeah and I mean uh, I guess that gets to our our question of what is heaven uh, which is a whole different issue but I will tell you this it does seem that there are tears in heaven and the reason why it seems there are tears in heaven is because uh, well, we actually know from Revelation that John, for example, in heaven, weeps when he when he believes that there's no one who is able to open the seals and 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 you know open this redemption for the earth. It, it seems that the earth is going to be cursed forever. John weeps 
He's in right. heaven. Is he enjoying himself? Well, not in that moment. Uh, no, he's not. And we also see that in the end of Revelation, it says that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. Right. And so that there's this kind of idea is that will there be tears in heaven? Well, it seems that initially, yes. Until And you got to remember that heaven as it's experienced now is not heaven as it will be experienced in yeah. fullness. There'll be a new heaven, yes. Correct. So I do think there is a differentiation between those, and I would say that, are there tears in heaven? Uh, I think there are. I don't think there are a lot of tears in heaven, but I do think there are some. Okay. Well, that brings a little more clarity on that. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, thanks for calling, David. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right. We are coming up on the last five minutes of our show. I had one text question that I had promised someone I would answer, and I, I really wanted to get to it. So let's go over to that one. This person wrote yesterday, and I wrote them back that I'd answer this today. So they said, hello, Pastor Nick. What are your thoughts on the worship song Reckless Love by Corey Asbury in word usage? Does the word reckless accurately reflect God's love? And would it be appropriate to sing during a worship setting at church? Really good question. I know there's been kind of a lot of discussion around this song and, you know, is it appropriate to use the word reckless? Isn't reckless a pejorative or negative word? And, you know, the Bible never used the word reckless to describe God's love. And and isn't that, I mean, does reckless mean to do something without, you know, care or attention? Doesn't it seem a bit inappropriate to use in regard to God's love? And so that's the question. I know there's been a lot of discussion about this online and, um, so here in my office, we have an office here in Longmont, and I will share the office. You know, we have our, our worship leader has his office here too. So I brought this question to him. I said, hey, what do you think of this? Because uh, our worship leader is great in the sense that, you know, he's a worship pastor, and he, he has a great uh, understanding of the word and just wanting to do things uh, biblically and right before God. So I asked him, hey, what do you think about this? And he, he was very familiar with it. And we kind of just started uh, talking about it together. And so here's the definition. This is just a, a dictionary definition of the word reckless. It says, um, without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. Now, that at first sounds very negative. But then I read through the uh, words to this song. So I'm just going to read you the, the first couple verses of the song. So here's the song by Corey Asbury. It's the song, Reckless uh, Love. So he says, before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. And then there's a chorus, you know, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. You gave yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Now, check out this uh, next line where he says oh no that was the one I wanted to get to where it says you leave the 99 okay so as I was reading this you know and then remembering one of my favorite chapters and I think is really surprising is Luke chapter 15 so Luke chapter 15 and I would actually say that in a way I think you could say that Luke 15 describes uh, a reckless love of God and I say that in the most positive and most um respectful way and let me explain to you why i've heard it said and i think this is right that if if a parable of that jesus said if a parable does not surprise you or cause you to be taken back then you haven't really understood it okay so consider this parable of lost sheep and that's why i mentioned that he says in the chorus there you leave the 99 so he's referring to a parable which is found in luke chapter 15 here's what it says the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to jesus 
And they grumbled and said, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them a parable. Which man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home together, he, he, or he comes home, he calls his friends together and his neighbors, and he says to them, Rejoice with me. I found my sheep that was lost. So I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine persons who need no repentance. Now, I'm just going to ask you from a business perspective, if sheep were your business and you lost 1% of your business, would you abandon the 99? Think about it in terms of customers. Would you neglect 99 customers to go after that one you know, difficult customer who's always causing you headaches? Well, most people wouldn't. And, and that's what should be very surprising about this parable, is that you're talking to people who are familiar with uh, shepherding and, and sheep herding. Would you leave 99 sheep unattended to go after one? Because sheep are really, really bad without a shepherd. Like they're not good at taking care of themselves. And so that would almost be, you could almost say that's a, that would be a reckless thing to do. And yet God does it. And then later on we have in that same chapter, he tells the parable of the prodigal son. And in the parable of the prodigal son, we see that this man uh, just is extravagant in the love that he shows his son. So Long story short, we've come to the end of our, our show. I do think that's an okay song, especially because it's tied to the parable of the prodigal, or parable of the lost sheep and the prodigal son. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church, Longmont, Colorado. I'll be with you again on Monday, but you can tune in every weekday, Calvary Live, 4 to 5 p.m. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.